2 Corinthians chapter 10, we're looking at these first six verses. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 6. If you would, please follow in the reading of the Word of God. Now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold toward you when absent, I ask that when I am present, I need not be bold with the confidence with with which I propose to be courageous against some who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. Father, teach us today. Show us that we are in a war. And that, Father, it is the battle for the thoughts of humanity. And, Father, I pray that as the Apostle Paul, when he needed to be bold... He did it with confidence and courage. And Father, we, using divinely powerful weapons, would do the same. Father, help us understand the urgency of our day. Father, help us to stand. Father, help us to encourage one another. Not to grow weak, not to grow faint. But run the race set before us, not entangled with the things of this world. Thank you, my King, for your word. Thank you. For this man, Paul, our brother for eternity. And Father, may we long for that day when we will all be united in the absolute perfect holiness of Jesus Christ. In Christ's name, amen. I'm looking at this as victory in spiritual war. If you're saved today, you're in spiritual war. It's non-negotiable. You don't say, well, you know, I'm going to be Switzerland here. You don't get that option if you're saved. Now, the key is, is that if you're saved and you now know that you are in spiritual war, do you want to win? I mean, I know sometimes I've been sitting there going, they don't want to win. All right. And, and, I, and I've, I've already showed you there's been a huge corruption on what we call spiritual war. And what is being touted today is not biblical. Because this text sets it up and says, these four things is what a noble soldier in God's army needs for victory. And I find it fascinating at the things that we tout as spiritual war, which aren't. Okay, let's go through this and then we'll conclude this text today. First and foremost, verse 1, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. All right, a soldier... A true soldier. And I've had the privilege to meet some amazing soldiers in my life. Okay? And I I want you to understand that one of the things that I've seen in all of them is this overwhelming compassion. They're not uh, the way Hollywood portrays them. Uh, There's not a bunch of John Rambos in the army. All right? They they don't want to use violence... Unless it's absolutely necessary and they're done, they're out of, they got no more options. Okay, then they will use it. When you look at this text here, you see that by the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. Now listen, 
Christ is a formidable soldier. Let's be realistic. And yet in his gentleness and compassion, he, he has uh, that meekness and gentleness is power under control. I have the ability to speak forth a word and obliterate. But I don't. I wait. The Apostle Paul understood the character and the nature of his commander in chief. And he knew that God had called him to the war. So he was going to fight in the nature and the character of his Lord and Savior. So Paul was compassionate. But he also was courageous. Had accusations been made in the Corinthian church that he was bold when he wasn't around them, but he was weakling and meek when he was face to face. So they were basically saying he's a coward. He has strong words when he writes, but when he's face to face, he's kind of wimpish. Um, he says, I ask that when I am present, I need not be bold. Okay, I don't want to confront you. I don't want to battle those who were bringing accusations against the apostle. Now, you got to remember, okay, we've got four letters that were written to the Corinthians. Okay, we own two of them in the scriptures. All right, but there were four. All right, the first letter that we have that we call First Corinthians was in response to a, a previous letter. And if you just read the first six chapters of 1 Corinthians, you think, what a mess. I mean, they had perverted and screwed up everything. All right. But it was based on self-human pride. And that that was the, the essence of it. But they had perverted the Lord's table. They had perverted spiritual gifts. They had done all of these atrocities. And he was trying to get them back. There was another letter written that was called the severe letter. We don't have that one. But I read 1 Corinthians and think, what would the severe letter been like? All right. But he wrote that and there was a movement of repentance that Titus had come back and told him. All right. And if you look at 2 Corinthians, he's encouraging that. Keep on this. But then he moves back into chapter 10 and starts talking about this spiritual battle. All right. So he says, when I don't want to be bold when I come back. He's told him he's going to come back. I'm coming back. It's going to be about three and a half, maybe four months before I get there. And I can come back with a a confidence. You know, I purpose to be courageous against. Then he lists it out. Here's the one who's going to get my wrath. Some who regard us as if we are walking in the flesh. Okay, that uh, basically what they're saying that Paul wasn't saved. He wasn't legit. He's in the flesh. And Paul says, no, those people, don't worry. When I come back, if they still feel that way, I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it. So you, you have to have a courage to confront certain things. If you've been in church very long, you will understand that there are uh, people with the spiritual gift of murmuring. Okay, and they're always stirring up stuff. And what I learned the hard way is sometimes you just like to, yeah, it's not that big a deal. It will be a big deal. I have been in church. Next Sunday will be my anniversary as the senior pastor here. 
I started in 1993, first Sunday in June. So that's one, six, four, twelve. No. Anyway, so I have been in this church long enough to know that if murmuring starts, I'm finishing it. Okay, because I have watched what it does. And you know what? I used to think it was just a Baptist thing, but I've learned that it's everybody gets to have fun with it. Okay, because you have people who are just self-centered and I'll, I'll deal with that now because the warrior has to be competent. He has to be competent. If you're going to go into battle, you better know what you're doing. Okay, just an idea. All right. Verses 3 through 5. Though we walk in the flesh, though I am human. Okay. He says, we do not war according to the flesh. Okay. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. All right. Interesting phrasing there. Because what he says is, I'm not going to use human weapons, fleshly weapons. Now, you have to understand the weapons, but you have to understand what the fortresses are. He says, I'm going to use divinely powerful weapons. You know what I always look at that? He's going to God's armory. He's going to get God's weapons. They are divinely powerful. That they smash, they obliterate, they cast down fortresses okay now what are these fortresses you have to be capable to wield god's divinely powerful weapons to cast down these fortresses well he describes them there in verse five we are destroying we are dismantling we are casting down we are obliterating what speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of god Okay, brothers and sisters, the Apostle Paul just showed you right there what spiritual warfare is. It is a war for the mind. It's for the ideas, the thinking processes. We're not out binding Satan. We're not out arm wrestling demons. We are fighting for the thoughts of people. Their speculations, their ideas, their techniques, their methods. And we're casting them down. We are obliterating them. Okay? With divinely powerful weapons. We already looked at what his weapons are. It's the truth of righteousness. He's already told them in the right and the left hand. That's what we are fighting with. We are competent. We are fighting for people. Our fight is with people. It isn't, now listen, I understand that a lot of the philosophies that are out there have a demonic source to them. Okay? But all they're doing is feeding the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's all it is. People, listen, we were looking at false prophets in Deuteronomy. And it says, the people like it so. Tickle my flesh. I've had a bad week. Make me feel good. Well, you didn't make me feel good. You're supposed to make me feel good. That's a bad idea. Okay? And yet I watch this, and you know what? People embrace it, but I keep saying, it isn't that big a deal. Deuteronomy was dealing with it. It's not like it's a new phenomenon. But you're fighting the ideologies that humanity propagates. Remember the first sin? If you eat of this, what? You will know... As God knows. What do we do today? 
We create God in our own image. And that's how we serve Him. You know what? I, I can't remember who said it, but I was reading an, uh, an author, and he made the comment, and I thought it was absolutely right on. He says, you will live your life according to the size of your God. And we do. I look at some Christians today and I think, how inept is your God? I remember uh, we were praying for a pastor's wife here in town. And one of the guys that was praying, he says, uh, God, we give you permission to heal her. And I about fell out of my chair. But you got a bunch of pastors and this lady's got cancer. And I'm sitting there going, well, all right. So when we got done, <laughs> I... I I was walking out and I looked over at him. I says, come here, I want to tell you something. He says, what's that? I said, you need to get a bigger God. He said, what? I said, you need to get a bigger God. And he says, why are you saying that? I said, my God doesn't ask for permission for nothing. (laughs) That's silly. I can't believe it came out of his mouth. Even if you're thinking it, don't say it. Good Lord. Anyway. He's not competent for spiritual battle. All right. Are we patient and gentle? Okay. Do you have time for people? Let me tell you something. People can be porcupines. Okay. Are you. Can you comprehend what their thinking processes are? Okay. Listen, there's nothing new under the sun. They may hang a different name on it, but there isn't anything new. They, they, they worship the false trinity, me, myself, and I. Okay? And, and that's the battle. It's for the thoughts and the ideas of people, their opinions. Okay? But you know what? You're going to engage with people, and you're going to find some who are just flat out entrenched. They got them a fortress, and you ain't budging them out of that. And that's when you go to war. That's when you go to war. I always remember finding one of my first Greek exercises was the word exhortation. And it literally means to walk alongside someone and help protect them from hitting a ditch. And you do that when you're involved with people. You can look at them and say, well, I don't think that's a good idea. Okay, sometimes they'll listen to you. Sometimes their ideologies or their techniques are so powerful, you can't stop them. And guess what? You know, you smile at them, say, you know, dog back to its vomit. <laughs> and that, that always encourages them. Only truth tears down these bastions of error. We proclaim the word. Paul told Timothy what? Preach the word in season and out of season. And I've listened to people debate. Well, what does it mean in season and out of season? That means all the time. That isn't a complicated text. You just don't stop. All right. That is a noble vessel. That is a vessel of honor, Paul told Timothy. That is a good soldier. But I want to conclude this because I want you to think about it because verse 6 shows that a good soldier understand and he must take into account what is going on. So there is a calculation, calculating going on. Uh, We would call it timing. Have you ever, have you ever dealt with somebody on a spiritual level 
and realize you're wasting your time and breath. Okay? The timing ain't there. You know what? There's times that, you know, I listen to somebody. I've got a thing going on with my oldest that is in that position right now. I am, I'm not even going to type. I ain't sending him an email or nothing because he's clueless. My last communication with him is, you're not even asking the right questions. Okay? And I, it's been going on for a while. And I've, I said, you know what? I've been patient with him. I've endured this. I've been gentle. And you know what? Until you start asking the right questions, i got nothing to say to you. All right? See, you have to know who is the enemy. Okay, we have a tendency to think the person is the enemy. It's their thinking that is the enemy. And that has come over time. Um, it's, it's why I, I would encourage you to help these Russian kids, because a lot of these kids never get exposed to the, anything about the gospel. And yet it's a fertile ground for the gospel now. It's when they're forming their personalities and you infuse the things of God into their personalities at the basis of their young age. There is a time and there is a place where you can put the enemy in your sights. Okay? The enemy's already been defined. It's speculations and lofty ideas lifted up against the knowledge of God. Do you realize how simple that is? Is something that is being said against what God has already said. God, you have my permission to heal. That ain't what the Bible says. Okay? I I guess if you want to use the vernacular that we hear all all the time. um, I'm calculating this battle and I will not have one caught in friendly fire. Okay? Uh, he, He says here... I'm, we are ready to punish. Okay? He's ready to punish. Alright? Paul says he's ready. Paul was compassionate. He was long-suffering. Paul was courageous. Paul was armed to the gills. Okay? But he had a delay. Why was he delaying? The word ready there is a military term in the original language. Okay? Listen, Paul's not a coward. Okay? He's ready to take Action against this. He's ready to, to deal directly with this threat. To those who know that they are being called to obedience to Christ, but refuse to obey. Okay, listen, one of the things that is killing the church in America, I've had the opportunity to travel abroad, and one of the things that I see abroad that you do not see in America is they never have separated salvation and obedience. Okay? It's not there. I mean, in Russia, when you talk to a Russian, they will tell you, I came to repentance at such and such a time. Okay? Here in America, I accepted, I received, I whatever. No. Did you repent? Because there is obedience. Well, you're going against grace. No, grace causes me to be obedient. All right. And, and you try to you ask people that and gee, many crickets. You know, I, I challenge people's salvation at times. And they're like, well, how dare you? Well, then change. <laughs> you just don't look 
saved. All right, why? Because there is a degree of obedience based on your information. That's why I'm going back to the knowledge of God. All right? Paul was ready because he understands that if they stay intact, it was damaging the church. Ready to those who dig their heels in and entrench themselves in their fortress of ideas. They will not respond to truth. Truth has been given to them. They do not respond. They're in their forts. They will not repent. If they are left alone, they will destroy the church. Please hear me. They will destroy the church. Okay? Paul says we are ready to move against them. We're ready. We're able. We're compassionate. We're calculating. We're coming. He will not let them destroy the church. Remember, I told you there's four things. Four things that put us to battle. Remember what they were? Truth. The preserving of truth. The honor of Christ. The reaching of the lost. The sanctifying of the saints. Okay? As soon as that is crossed... With an ideology, a lofty speculation against the knowledge of God, then you challenge it. And you do it how? With the word of truth. That's why you guys know that I meet with pastors in our community, and there's times that they'll make a statement, and I always make this, if, if it's, if it's out there, I always say, where is that in the Bible? Okay, and they know exactly what I mean. Okay? Paul says, I would act in a severe way if you do not change. Why? Well, if you're dealing with the church and it's a destruction or division or a cataclysmic event in the church, you're going against the honor of Christ. You're going against truth. You're not going to be able to reach the lost and you're going to watch problems with the sanctification of saints. So he understood where that was all taking place is in the church. Listen, Paul had done this before. The church in Ephesus... He sent Timothy back, 1 Timothy. He says, I've already kicked two guys out. And I made a public spectacle of them in the church. I will teach them not to blaspheme God. And I hand them over that Satan will teach their flesh a lesson. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody's doing that to me, I'm thinking, I maybe need to change directions here. He could be bold. He could be confident in his boldness. He was prepared to remove the actors, the hypocrites, the false teachers. Okay? Why was he waiting? Well, he says here, whenever your obedience is complete. Hmm, interesting phrase. All right? Remember what he said about his divine weapon? His divine weapon had the power of God to bring every thought captive to Christ. Verse 5. Alright, so in this church, whenever the church collectively is complete in its obedience... Whenever the church... Now remember, this church has moved. They're restored the relationship with the Apostle Paul. They're getting back on track. But you're going to have those people laying in the bushes, waiting to try to get them some allies together to start something up again. 
All right. And he says, now, when you guys all come together, you've ever been in a church uh, that had um, conflict? Am I the only one been blessed with that? All right. Good. Um, there are times when the it, it just kind of flares up and you get people. Well, I wonder what that was about. Was this this or was this that or what was this? And it all lays under the surface. Okay. You get it resolved. You think it's all taken care of. Then all of a sudden it'll bubble back up. Somebody will latch onto that and the what ifs and all the rest of it start up again. The Apostle Paul understood that that's what was happening in Corinth. Yes, they were wrong in the way they had treated Paul. Yes, they were wrong against the false accusations and believing in the false accusations. Yes, we were wrong. We were wrong. Okay, but now you'll have people there that are saying, going, well, what were the accusations again? What was it about? And they are a target for those who have dug their heels in their fortresses and they're waiting there for their advantage. Let me come back. That is our battle, people. It is for the minds. Why? We are taking our thought processes captive to Jesus Christ. Okay? He's already told the Corinthians, now when your obedience is complete, when your thinking processes have come back and you are now captive to Christ. See, what he's doing here is really kind of cool. Everyone who is true to the gospel will take a stand to the gospel, right? Right? All right. When you are finally agreeing to be obedient, and it's clear who, to use an Old Testament phrase, the remnant is, I will act against the remnant. Okay? You would have those who do not come into obedience... And you know what? Once the church collectively has come back into the right place, taking every thought captive, then those who don't will stand out. And you'll spot them. And it's, uh, it's a way to avoid collateral damage. Okay? You, you don't come into a disobedient church and carpet bomb it. Okay? You, you want to use... Laser-guided munitions, okay, against those who refuse to come out of their ideologies and speculations, okay? It's the word of truth, Paul told the church in Ephesus, okay? You use it in both hands. If you go look at the Greek terminology for sword, you'll find there's two words. One is rumphi, and one is makaira. When you talk about the word of God... It is described as a sword. It could either be a rumphi or it could be a makaira. All right. What does that mean? A rumphi is a broadsword. It's usually swung with two hands, double edged sharp, and probably weighs about 10 pounds. So you take a big swat and let her fly. Okay. But it's a little tough to wield. <laughs> Distinctly. If you're eyeball deep in it, grab that one. The Makaira is a close quarter dagger. So you get right in there. You use that one when you've got the collective obedience and then you take your 
Makaira, and you get into close quarters with the people and you confront them and you battle them in their fortresses. See the difference? I mean, there's times you go walking into Athens, you better have your rum fi. Okay? Because that place is full of bleh. Okay? And we never see a church birthed in Athens. But he went through there and he went up on to <laughs> where all the really smart people hang out. And and took his big sword up there and says, you know, I seen a, an altar to the unknown God. I want to tell you something. I know him. <laughs> All right. and then, well, we must hear more about this. And I was like, yeah, sure they do. All right. But when you're dealing with people who've been in the church, then you pull out your, your close quarter combat knife. And you just get right in there. Trim the fat off. Okay. That's your laser guided munitions. You know what? He was wanting, because he's a compassionate soldier, he's wanting to watch that he doesn't have unnecessary casualties. All right? Paul was waiting a few months, three, maybe four months, until all who are obedient, their obedience was complete. They have come back. Why? They have brought every thought captive to obedience of Christ. You can spot those people. You can, they're easy to see. Those you know, you don't have to take a knife to them. You can come alongside them and walk with them because they're going to be looking for obedience. How would Christ deal with whatever it is I'm dealing with? Those who are not obedient would be seen. They would be in their fortresses. They would be non-repentant. And the enemy is clearly defined. It's their speculations. It's their ideas. It's those people who have not, their thoughts are not guarded by Jesus Christ and the word of God. Paul would wait until it became fully manifest. Who among the Corinthians would submit to truth? It's easy to spot people. Okay, doesn't mean you're perfect. It's easy to spot, though. There are people who have a pattern of lawlessness. We were looking at that today in Matthew's gospel. I never knew you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. Why? Well, they were in the church. We prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. I don't know you. Why? What was your practice? What is your pattern? Okay. Who would reject? They will gather in their forts. They will gather in their philosophies. They'll gather in their psychology. They'll gather in their opinions. They'll gather in all of these things that man has created. And you can spot them. There are too many churches today that I can't see anything different than the world. Okay? I mean, it's, you know, they got a beer and Bible church in Denver. Sunday morning, they got a couple of bars that you can go into or before they open for business and you can have a few beers and you can discuss the Bible. They don't want to be confronted. Perfect. What a deal. And you know, yeah, but we're growing. Well, I bet you are. Wait till two o'clock and the Broncos show up. That doesn't, it defies logic. 
Paul says, when I come, I will do battle with those. I will have them identified and I will force them to surrender or know that their fortress will be their tombs. It's that simple. This soldier doesn't shoot everybody that comes down the road. This soldier is compassionate, he's gracious, gentle with those who respond to truth. The rest, he comes with a war attitude. All right? So, you want victory in spiritual war? You need to be compassionate. It's not for the faint-hearted. You need to be courageous. You better be competent. You better know what the book says. Because false teachers know what the book says. All right? And you need to be calculating. If the person is not responding to truth, then you know that is a target. But be ready. Because I hate to break the news to you. I love you guys. Spiritual war is here. It's alive and well. I can listen. I listen to it and, and know most of the pastors in this community right now. And people say, well, why do you put up with some of these yahoos? You know what? I can listen to these guys talk. And I know what the spiritual condition of my community is. So I know what I'm up against. All right. You know what? People say, well, Terry, if you've been here 20 some years, how's come your church ain't no bigger? I don't tickle ears. It's not what I've been called to do. Ain't none of us been called to do that. I come to walk with you, but I will hold you accountable. When in war, you better know the book because you'll need both hands to use it. All right. The only way to smash these ideologies uh, is truth. It's truth. You want to do it at the appropriate time. Or, you know, I, we have a men's discipleship group that meets every first and third Thursdays of the month. And, and I, I had a question for him. I think it was the last time we met. Are you teachable? It's a simple question. Are you teachable? Okay, now we, we all as Christians would like to say, well, sometimes. <laughs> I hope so. Okay, but you know what? That's a little tougher than what you think it is. Because you have ideologies and thoughts and opinions that sometimes are wrong. And when it's confronted, what is your response? We won't go there. The only way to smash wrong thinking is with truth. And you want to do it at an appropriate time. Are the people teachable? Is it appropriate to this person? You know what? Uh, people will listen to me sometimes. And if the only time you ever spend with me is what you hear from the pulpit. Then you think, man, he just goes out and blasts everybody. No, I have no patience with spiritual leaders who are wrong. Jesus looked at spiritual leaders and what did he say to them? Have you not read? Okay, listen, I'm not an educated man. I have read my Bible. Once or twice. Okay. You guys know I've been teaching Second uh, Corinthians now for what? Nine or ten years. Okay. And I read Second Corinthians every day and have for nine or ten years. I kind of figure out what Second Corinthians means. 
Okay? I, I learned that a long time ago if you're going to teach a book. That's why I teach books. All right? Why? I read it. Read the book. Every day, every day, every day, every day. And then, you know what? I, what I've learned is, is they're not really that complicated. We like to make them complicated. But if you read it, it was written as a letter. It's not that hard. Okay? There are some times when you are dealing with people that they don't get it. They're not listening. They're not teachable. They're entrenched. You know what? Walk away. Walk away. Lift their souls before the throne of grace. Okay? And sometimes that's very difficult. If you have loved ones that have walked away from the faith or you have people who are entrenched in a system that is wrong. You know, it's, it's one of the tragedies that I watch. What's his name? Is in uh, the Middle East right now in Bethlehem. And he's joining all Christians together. So when did Catholics become Christians? I mean, they never used to call themselves Christians. They used to call themselves what? Catholics. But now they say, no, we're Christians. And I listen to them and I know what your doctrine is. And I think, no, you're not. Those are in these false systems. You know, we treat them with tenderness. We treat them with compassion. But we don't let up on the truth. Not sure how they will respond. Listen, I don't run around trying to pick fights. If it's a spiritual leader, a person in spiritual leadership, and if they're wrong, listen, if I'm in spiritual leadership, if I'm wrong, point it out to me. Please, I don't want to be wrong. I mean, do you re- that's, a, that's sort of like saying, you know what? I went to a brain surgeon and he was going to fix this thing I had in my head, but I found out he was a podiatrist and I let him do it anyway. Why? Because I just really liked him. Well, that's stupid. Okay, you're not going to do that. You know, uh, <laughs> I was with Brian when he was having his surgery and the he was having a knee replacement. <laughs> and then the doctor says, you got any questions? He looked over at me and I said, you ever done this before? <laughs> and the doctor didn't know, you know, well, it's just about question. <laughs> I mean, I'd hate to say, nope, never have. Well, Brian, you want to wait? <laughs> After a time, you'll start running in. I love the saints because... There are times that they are a blessing to me and I pray that I'm a blessing to them. There are those sometimes that the more time goes, the deeper they dig. It's when their fortress can become their tomb. If you're going to have victory in spiritual war, then you need compassion, courage, competent, and calculating. Listen, every time I have used it, it works. Truth causes error to collapse. Okay? The word is the light in the darkness. Your schemes, your methodologies, your trickery, don't do it. Okay? I challenge each of you, fight the good fight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And then, Lord, I pray that we would be good soldiers. That, Father, we would, we would gauge our obedience of taking every thought captive to Christ. And in doing so, Father, be ready for the battle. Father, may we use the weapons that are divinely powerful. And Father, may uh, we be sensitive and calculating into the situations that we are involved in. 
whether it's false systems, whether it's philosophies, whether it's just preconceived notions. Father, help us. Help us to stand in your grace. Father, help us to be competent to the battle at hand. And Father, I would especially pray today that everybody that hears this, that you would put a supernaturally charged desire in their soul for your word. A hunger and a thirst that would only be satisfied when in your presence. Help us to be good soldiers. In Christ's name, amen.